presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Pick 6 Podcast, midweek edition. Pete Frisco currently on a train with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus Animals. Monkeys, elephants, tigers. Oh my, Pete sending out tweets and complaining. Hopefully, honestly, I hope it gets worse for Pete. I hope all the animals are bothering Pete on his plane. So it's Nick Costos, Will Brinson, Jason Lockhanfora. Midweek here, uh, we've got some news in the National Football League. Some expected, some unexpected. Guys, let's start off with an expected piece with the Vikings losing the NFC Championship game. Pat Shermer officially named Will as head coach of my New York football giants. Yeah, and uh, what a circuitous route he had to take to get to New York, right? He, you, almost, you almost got that word right after a couple of tries. That's what happens when you've been working out all morning. Um, <laughs> makes no sense just to work out all morning. In our Prisco? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, I, I looked at some weights, and then I ate a, ate a turkey sandwich in honor of Prisco. Um, Shermer was in Philadelphia and then has to take a team flight back to Minnesota and then has to wait for a storm to fly back to New York, which I don't know if you guys know is really close to Philadelphia. And then and 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 then he gets this interview, and then he's you know introduced. I think it's a good hire from the perspective of, to me, Shermer got a raw deal in Cleveland. He won nine games in yeah. two years, which sort of feels like a great job now. And we laughed yep. at him at the time, but back then, I mean, you know, I mean, back then we laughed at him, but. You know, now you look back on it like, man, maybe he was actually putting putting some stuff together. He's clearly he's done good work with quarterbacks. Got the you know got a good season out of Sam Bradford last year. Bradford looked great in Week One. Got an incredible year out of Case Keenum. And I would anticipate that if you're trying to develop a quarterback, that Pat Shermer is a guy you can say, okay, let's um let's utilize. I think Eli Manning will work all right in that system if they choose to go that way. It sounds like they want to. And then you grab a quarterback at the top of the draft to develop inside of Shermer's system. You got a five-year contract that gives you one quarterback's worth of, of development. And, and I think you give them a go and you need to, you need to figure out a way to keep the defense intact. But offensively, I think they'd be in a good spot because you look at the Vikings offensive line, not great. They improved it this year, but a lot of it was Shermer being able to, you know, manipulate scheme and get the ball out quickly, et cetera, et cetera. And they developed a running game even after Dalvin Cook went down. So I think it's a good fit personnel wise. Yeah, I, I mean, look, what you have to look at who the Giants are, how ownership, uh, you know, sort of what ownership expects of a coach, what a Giants coach looks like. And I don't know that that tag applies everywhere. Like, I don't know that we sit there and say, mm, this is, you know, this is what a Houston Texans coach looks like. But but the Giants have a way of, of doing things. There's a certain corporate buttoned-up um you know, sort of mentality there. Yeah, they, they, they missed the a, memo with Ben McAdoo with his truck and his trucker well, haircut. But yeah, but now now they, they're starting to get yeah. it right again. They they understand, but I mean, that's sort of been a part of their culture. And let's just face it, because McAdoo was a failure on so many levels, they, and then because they also, if you look at the GM that they hired, you know, which that wasn't even really a search; it was Gettleman's job all along. It, and the signals they were sending that we we need somebody who's done it before because we can't go down this road we just went through with McAdoo where everybody's laughing at us at our press conferences and we can't get our messaging straight and we're also losing games on Sunday so it was a small list 
really. You know, I mean, they weren't in all likelihood going to go with someone who's never done it before. Had they done it, Steve Wilkes is somebody. You know, had they gone that route, Steve Wilkes is somebody who Gettleman knows well, who Gettleman was comfortable with. And I think that there was there would, be, there would have been merit to going in that direction. But when you look at the fact that they wanted it to be somebody who'd done the job before and had prior head coaching experience and knew what it was like dealing with the media every day and dealing with the coach's schedule and dealing with all the craziness that comes with it, who it was really only a couple of guys. And, Mc, and McDaniels, and we, we documented this throughout this process, McDaniels and Gettleman was never really going to work. The moment that they went that route, you'll still interview the guy and he'll still interview with you, but that's not going to be a match. The Patricia thing, I never bought for many reasons that he was the it guy or the one they wanted. I, I, and, and it was pretty widely known that he was going to Detroit anyway, that there was connections there and that had been going on for years. So, you know, to me, it was Shermer. Had they interviewed Schwartz, I mean, there would have been merit to that. But Schwartz's personality with Gettleman, Schwartz's personality with the owner, probably not a fit. Uh, so I think there was a lot of smoke screens, right? There was all these reports out of Philly before the before the season even ended that it was Schwartz. There were all these reports out of New York a weekend that it's Patricia, 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 and that was Jimmy Sexton just squeezing more out of the Detroit Lions because there, there wasn't a whole lot coming out from the Giants on or off the record. And really it was shaping up to probably be Shermer to New York or Arizona the whole time, and, and he ended up picking New York, which I, I understand. I would have done the same thing. Here, here's what I think is interesting about about the Shermer hire, and we get into scheme and, and fit and how he's going to handle the media and how he's going to be a quote-unquote leader of men. I like that's the new the buzz phrase in 2018, leader of men for NFL head coaches. But as it concerns that number two overall pick in the draft, I feel like we're starting to feel – obviously, it's January, so there's a lot of time, in, obviously, in between now and the draft, where listening to people from New York talk yesterday from the area in the media – that they think the Giants are not going to go a quarterback at two, and they're going to roll with Eli Manning for the next couple of years. And that's either could be Saquon Barkley, maybe it's Orlando Brown, one of these offensive linemen, or the idea that I'm start as a Giants fan, quite honestly, starting to warm up to trade down and get up and get a boatload of picks because I think this is. You guys tell me if you disagree. This is a good draft to have the number two pick in with the quarterbacks at the top of it, where you could collect a ransom of picks and really stock this roster. And I've said before. You get a couple offensive linemen here, get a running back. I see no reason. I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl team next year, but there's no reason that this Giants team can't max out at 10 wins next year with the right offseason. Mm, yeah, that's fine. They could, yeah, yeah. you put some pieces around Eli to have a good free agent. Look, Dave Gettleman, and I've said this, I'm sure, on this podcast over the last four years, I don't think there's there are not many people better. I think Steve Kime does a really good job of it. But going out into free agency and finding value deals on veterans in the second and third stage of free agency, Dave Gettleman does a great job of that. I think that's going to be a big boon to the Giants in terms of putting pieces around Eli, you know, a secondary receiver, a third receiver, um, you know, some offensive linemen. The McAleel thing didn't work out, but whatever. But, yeah, I think you can go out there and find some guys that will work well in those spots. I think they're defensive pieces that fit what he wants to do. And, again, Shermer there so yeah I, I don't mind the trade down i think the key is I, I, look saquon's not off the table get him a drafted christian mccaffrey last year with the number eight overall picks i mean it's not impossible he would take a running back early i wouldn't be surprised either if he took bradley chubb at number two overall um the nc state defensive end he i think he in a in a class without the pass rushers i mean excuse me a class without the quarterbacks he would be the number one pick because he's that good of a pass rusher and gettleman does like those uh those high octane guys who can get after the quarterback 
Yeah, I, I think a tra- if they're not taking a quarterback there, I would be trading down because somebody will want a quarterback there. Yep. And if the value is where it normally is, and they're not one piece away. I mean, I, I, I you know, I don't think anybody's going to say they're just a running back away from from getting it done, or they're just one more offensive lineman away from being better than the Philadelphia Eagles and winning their division. Um, you know, and even defensively, I mean, JPP's not getting any younger. I mean, you know, they, they've got they got some stuff to sort out there. No, no doubt about it. I, do, Jason, I don't know. Do, do, do you think the best approach would be to trade down if you're the Giants? If, if look, if, if there is the kind of value that we've seen from people trading up into that spot to get a Julio Jones or to get other quarterbacks in the past. Jared you know, Goff, Carson yeah, Wentz. Yeah, RG3. I mean, yep. then you have – I mean, that to me would be absolutely what you entertain, especially because – Five to six quarterbacks are going in the first thirty odd picks. So you could, if there's a guy you like, there's still a chance to get him a little bit, you know, a little bit lower. So that, uh, honestly, you look to me, you've got to, you've got to really hit on at two in, in in one of two ways. You get a generational player at a a, a position of dom, a, a position that wins Super Bowls, which to me is a quarterback or a pass rusher. By and large, and that could be an interior pass rusher. You know, that could be a Warren Sapp type. That could be a lot of different things. But you're either getting that guy with that spot because you don't think you'll be around there a long time again, or you're getting extreme value from someone else to move to that spot. Like to me, to take a running back there at two, uh, he he better be so special. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to be better than Zeke. I don't even Zeke. know what that means. He's got to yeah, be, be better, better than Zeke. Than he's he's, 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 he's got to be, be a Hall of Famer if you're taking him. Yes, in. he's got to yeah. be way better than Kareem Hunt. He's, he's got to be, be guy, Tomlinson. Yes, who's going out there as your best player week in and week out and winning you football games. But, and and look, I, I, hey, Saquon, I don't know. But Leonard Fournette, four and Leonard Fournette, I mean, look, he helped the Jaguars a ton, but, I mean, I don't think he did. Leonard Fournette is not a different – like, bro, he's not – a rebuilding franchise, and you're and you're picking two for maybe the what you hope is the only time ever, and you take Leonard Fournette there, yeah, and Leonard Fournette is Leonard Fournette. You just blew that opportunity. I'm sorry. Well, no, like I, Leonard Fournette's a nice running back. He is yet to show me he's anything close to being generational. And even 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 Ezekiel Elliott, as we pointed out, and Pete Prisco didn't hear, but I agree with him. You know, the, the Cowboys passed on Jalen Ramsey. Who do you think should be more valuable over the next 10 to 15 years, Jalen Ramsey or Zeke Elliott? I mean, not even close. It's Ramsey. It's not even close, yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I mean, Zeke might be worth five years. No, but like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't hate, but like that pick, I don't hate because they there's only three positions I'm going for. I'm going for generational left tackle. I'm going for a quarterback who's, who I think is worthy of multiple contracts, or I'm going for a dominant pass rusher. And if that fit isn't there, I'm exploring. Anybody else who's dying to get some other quarterback who I might not love there, and I'm letting them take them, and I'm, I'm collecting more pieces. I will, so here's, here's what's interesting, right, as, as it concerns the top. Go ahead. No, no, no. I will tell you this. Bradley Chubb is that dominant passer. And, 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 and here's the point I'm going to make. So if you're the Cleveland Browns, right, and let's say the Browns like both Rosen and Darnold, just for arguments, and the Browns really like Bradley Chubb also. Let's just stop. Jason, what are you making? Smoothie? What do you got? Gin and tonic? I got to make a nice coffee, man. I'm tired. All right. So let's say the Browns decide they want to take Bradley Chubb and pair him with Miles Garrett, right? They can still get their quarterback at four. Let's say the Giants want to take Rosen or Darnold. 
The Colts aren't going to take a quarterback, assuming Andrew Luck's going to come back. So the Giants could really be in the catbird seat if the Browns say, okay, we want to go defense here. They take Bradley Chubb. Then that Giants pick at number two, that's the first quarterback off the board, and that could really entice someone to come up and get Browns it. Taking a, look, if the Browns are taking a quarterback, they're taking a quarterback one, and the Browns are taking a quarterback. Like, there's no way – they can get cute with contingencies Jason, and what ifs or whatever. The only, here's the only way the Browns can't take a quarterback is if is if they're smart enough to swindle people the way Chicago got swindled a year ago, and they get somebody to move up one pick to take a guy they weren't going to take anyway, and they move back one pick and get a boatload for it. And then what I would do is trade down again unless you're convinced that that quarterback is the guy. And if there's other quarterbacks you like similarly, then I'm trading from one to two, you know, if I'm the Browns, and and then maybe I'm trading down again. But, like, they've – my God, they've got to get a – like, no. They, and just knowing Dorsey, I, I – look, they get the quarterback there, and then you can DA, to use Will's term, around with that second pick. At four. Yeah, so – Browns yeah. do have those, top, those two top five picks. Um, yeah, I don't love the Jack Del Rio aspect of the Pat Shermer thing, but, I mean, I guess we'll we'll wait to see what happens there. And as Pete said, he did do a good job with Carolina and Denver. Of course, hard to screw up the Denver, D.C. when you've got Von Miller and company. So Pat Shermer going to be introduced at what I'm sure will be an electrifying press conference coming up on Friday. How about, Will, the Arizona Cardinals going out of left field on Monday? An unexpected announcement. Panthers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, their next head coach. Yeah, um... I think what you know, one of those things where, and I'd be curious to hear what Jason knows after he gets done blowing. His like, like, here's my question: Is he doing construction? Like, I don't understand. Like, like what is so complicated about making a freaking iced coffee that it sounds like he's got like a conveyor well, belt it's coming a, in his It's living. the uh, what is this thing called? It's an espresso. You put the pot in there, and then it does the whole. You know, it makes it into a, like an espresso. It's, Why does it sound machine. like you're in a factory? Taking off in your living room. It's insane. Like, what is huh? this thing? The dog is unfazed by this. The dog gets freaked out by everything. But you two are like, oh, my God, my ears. Right, oh, let's, please, let's, somebody save me. Where? Let us know if you can hear that horrible bat. I mean, I'm, like, sitting here with it, like, pumping in my ear. I'm sure that if you want to. <sighs> love it. Anyway, um, now let me go get my sherry or whatever. What do you think Prisco thinks I would pour in this coffee right now? <laughs> Bailey's. Bourbon? Bailey's? Oh, yeah, Bailey's. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Good in coffee. Um you know, you know that I did a. I'm doing. I am. Uh, let's see. What's today? The 23rd. I am eight days away from a dry January. It's the worst month. Yeah, of I'm month. gonna. I'm dabbling with that idea myself. Oh wait, you're you're actually doing it. I was gonna go dry after the Super Bowl. No, I'm 23 oh, days. So you've you've done it for January. Good for you. I, yeah. I have not, I have not been. I've lost like ten. Intoxicated. Pa- I have not been intoxicated since the um since like the middle of, since the beginning of December. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, are you coming out? Are you out at Super Bowl all week, Nick? What's your deal? Or do you have to be down there for that stuff? I'm going to be down here for quote unquote that stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for quote unquote quite some time. For the, and top, for the and secret, the, for the secret, the secret sauce stuff going on down there. And, and, there, and there's there's quote, there's a lot of quote unquote stuff going on that I am buried nose deep in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what was the question? I was going to say we would take you out and get you hammered. Uh, you would not. You would not have to. You would not have to get me. It would just happen. But thank you very much. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I do wish that could happen for what it's worth very much. So, Steve, folks, a couple of things. One, I think that the Cardinals – I think the Cardinals liked him. And I think – obviously they liked him. I think that they probably would have preferred that the Jaguars 
and Vikings win. And that would have given them an opportunity to pursue second interviews with, you know, whether it's Jim Schwartz, John DiFilippo, uh, Brian Flores, their other candidates that they had already checked in with. I think they also saw an opportunity to go ahead and get Steve Wilkes, a guy who I think is sort of like an opposite side of the ball, Bruce Arians, in that he is super aggressive, blitzed 44.5% yeah. of the time last year. That is a crazy number. League average, um, less than, I think, I think it's 27.3% or something like that. So, I mean, Steve Wilkes loves to be aggressive, loves to blitz, sort of fits in the culture, says what he feels. Um, pretty cool story. I don't know if you guys ever read this story, but, um, Joe Person wrote it for the Charlotte Observer. Wilkes, there's this, and the kid is actually my cousin, Bryant Graber. He's a, he, um, uh, was born with a, a very rare nerve disease and he works as a greeter at the Y and Wilkes sort of like became one of his friends. And so like, you oh, wow. could, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth checking out, but it's, it's, it's really cool. Like you can tell that Wilkes is not full of it in terms of right. when he talks about building a culture and, um, you know, genuinely being a good person. And I think, I think you talked about this on the last show, Jason. It, it matters to Arizona because you have to, Michael Bidwell is a big part of that leadership group and he wants to click with whoever is the coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that relationship, that potential owner coach relationship was huge there to the point where some guys were almost being coached up by the front office. Like, Hey, this is what you should say. This is what you shouldn't say. Here's how, you know, here's how my owner operates. And that actually, frankly, turned off some people who ended up kind of saying, yeah, I, I don't need somebody to hold my hand. I, I know how to talk to owners. So, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't, maybe, maybe I don't need to fly out there anyway. You could figure out who that was. Um, so look, Wilkes, it would be, it would be, uh, in, in disingenuous to say that they were locked in on Wilkes all along or Wilkes was the guy through the process because they could have hired Steve Wilkes like 17 days ago or whatever, you know, if, if, if they wanted to. Now, I know they wanted to have a process where there was a second round of interviews where you talk to some guys at their place and then you bring people back on our turf in Arizona and you wind them and you dine them and you see, you know, how those, you know, how the night unfolds. Um, they didn't do that with everybody, obviously. I, I guess at a certain point you figure we need to hire a coach. To me, I don't know what the what the way to what you know like if you've waited this long and you really do want to talk to Flores again or Schwartz again. I don't think they that DiFilippo was ever really in that. I think DiFilippo is a guy who they looked at as a potential OC and could still possibly end up there as the OC. And and, and, and that's the report, yeah. right, Jason? Is is that Wilkes covers DiFilippo to be his offensive? Well, that was his guy. That was the number one guy as he went through the process. And you're giving people your list, and who would you be paired with? You know, he had he had DiFilippo up there. He had North Turner up there. Um, now we'll see how it shapes out. They're talking to Daryl Bevel. Um, they may continue to try to wait for DiFilippo. They may just hire Daryl Bevel. That's um, a huge hire, to... right? I mean, because they got because that defense is going to be right next year. Yeah, they got it's, it's a huge, they get it's that a huge hire. It's a, it's a huge hire, you know? Um, but look, they, he spent two couple of days there last week. I reported at the time that it was going exceedingly well. And he was clicking with the owner. And he's clicking with Mark Dalton, their head of communications there, who's been there forever. Oh, and, you know, they trust him. They trust him implicitly to get a feel for guys. You know what I mean? And how do we think he'll work with us and blah, 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 blah. So he was sitting there waiting. The question was, we scheduled these second interviews with these other guys. Do we just go ahead and do some of those? Or do we start putting a staff together for Steve Wilkes? And they decided on Monday, let's start getting a staff together for Steve Wilkes. You know? So we'll see who the OC is. Is it, is it Daryl Bevel? Is it McCoy? Is it Filippo? I expect it to be one of those three. Do you think this is a um, situation where Wilkes was like, Hey guys, I mean, is it just like they, 
they were like, all right, Wilkes is the guy. Let's just go with it. Or was it like Wilkes is sort of like, hey, guys, <laughs> I can't. I'm, you know, my my team wants to know. What, I mean, like, you, do you know what I mean? Like, was there? No, I, probably, I mean, people didn't want to see how the process in. goes. You know, and Mar- Marty Herney is a realist there. And Marty, Marty believes that Steve Wilkes is ready to be a head coach. And Marty supported him wholeheartedly through the process. And Marty had many contingency plans in place because he knew that this guy is probably going to get one of these jobs, whether it's six openings or nine or 12, you know, depending how this played out either way, he's going to interview for a lot of jobs. He may have to wait a while, you know, to get the the right one. And we've got to be willing to go to mobile without him, and, and what have you. So um, I don't think that played a factor, uh, you know, really whatsoever. Everybody in Carolina was rooting um, for Steve Wilkes. And look, I've heard, I've heard the Tomlin stuff, you know, and you, you hate to, to have that kind of thrown around. But there are some comparisons. And the age and the way players relate to him and the personality. Uh, and, you know, people say he's only one year as a coordinator. Well, he was only one year as a coordinator for Tomlin in Minnesota as well. I think he'll fit well with Steve Kime. I think Steve Kime, as much as they ideally coveted experience out there, I think that that – he kind of was ready to go in, a, in, in a, from a personality standpoint and 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 um, aware they are in their career standpoint. I don't think that as much as they liked experience, they weren't looking for another coach at the end. You know what I mean? And where each year you're wondering, is he? You know what I mean? Is he going to ride off into the sunset? And what's going on? And they wanted somebody who they I, they understand that they're not a player away anymore. And they'll, so let's get a guy who fits with us, who meshes with us, who we think will be here. You know through the next five years, his first contract as we turn this thing around, and then who's still very much in his prime as we get into our prime again as a franchise and, you know, and they believe start contending regularly again. And, and, and so I get it um, with all these guys, though. Like, I, I mean, when we, when we sit down three years from now, what was it, last week, and we went back through all the guys from five years ago, right, and it was an abomination, right? Seven of the nine were a complete failure. Yeah. Badly. When we go back three years from now and we talk about, well, how, how boy, you know, Neggy, Naggy, whatever he, we're calling him this week, boy, well, why, why did that go the way it did? And then Vrabel and Wilkes, especially the young guys, the first-time guys, go look at, at the staff and, and the, you know, all sides of the ball. And I love the deep coordinator for Neggy. I, we'll see if this, you know, reinventing the Oregon offense for Mitch Trubisky, we'll see – if that works. And, you know, Vrabel got turned down. And I know you guys love the sound of this idea when we talked the other day. I had I major did. trepidations. I, no, I, I had major, major reservations. I did too. The guy turns him down to stay at Ohio State. I mean, what is Weird. that telling you? Weird. Right? I mean, that's not the way I want to get this thing off. I want to make I sure I've got bad. a guy and he's in my Correct. back pocket. Just go hire Matt LaFleur. Like, you don't need to be super cute about it. And, you know, we'll see who Wilkes ends up with and, and what that means for the offensive side of the ball with whatever the quarterback they move forward with. But that's how it's going to – like, that, that's, it's the totality of the staff and it's how the side of the ball that this guy isn't running on a daily basis. How is that being handled? And, of, of, look, you're not going to do any better than Vic Fangio in Chicago. So, from that standpoint, they're going to play defense. They'll be – even though they don't have great talent over there, that's a top eight defense. That'll help Trubisky out a lot. They've got a few backs there. That division's in some transition. But, like, that's the stuff that's going to resonate. You know, if Patricia does keep Jim Bob Cooter, I think that's super-duper smart. Yep. Um, you know, that would be a feather in his cap. So 
you know, I think we need to bear that in mind and not just get so focused on the one individual who has the press conference. It's the 20 guys they hire who don't have the press conference that often tells the tale of how that thing's going to shape out. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Like, I think a good example, um, and this is not NFL, but this, this one just, it, it always comes to mind. And I'm, I'll be thinking about it next year too, but, uh, uh, James Franklin at Penn State, right? I mean, this guy's on the hot seat and he brings in, um, who's the guy that just got hired at Mississippi State? Uh, Joe Moorhead, former, former head coach of my alma mater, Fordham. Yeah, yeah, I knew you'd know it. Uh, so he brings in Joe Moorhead, the offense takes off and all of a sudden James Franklin's a genius. Well, I mean, sometimes, you know, it helps to have a good OC. By the way, I just looked at the 2012 list of coaching hires. If you want to feel better about the 2013 list, here's 2012. Give, give us the teams. Let's see if we can guess. The team. Okay. Well, I just said his name, but Chiefs. Andy Reid. No, 2012. So wait, what is, what is, I'm sorry, I'm confused for a second. What, what are we playing? What's the game? In 2012, there were seven hires made by teams. I'm going to name – Andy Reid was hired in 2013, remember? Um, okay. I, I will name the team, you guess the candidate. So that's right. There was a guy fired in one year before Andy Reid uh, by the Chiefs. Also big, also jolly. I said, oh, Romeo Cornell. Romeo Cornell. Yeah. Oh, heard... Rack Rack was the interim. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. But no, I mean, and then they hired him. They hired him. the interim, and, and then they hired him, and then a year later they fired him. Yeah. Um, Nick Nick forgot it happened too. Uh, Dolphins. Philbin. Philbin. I I never. You know that I'm usually like amazing with stuff. I cannot believe that I didn't get that. I feel like you're wrong. Oh, you know, it was 2012. It was 2011. Todd Haley got fired. That was Aaron Rodgers' 15 and one season, and the Chiefs were the only team that beat them in the regular season, and they like, carried Cornell off the field. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Uh, Rams. <laughs> You're all so big and jolly. <laughs> Fisher. Yeah, Jeff Fisher by the Rams. Colts. Chuck Pagano. Pagano, yeah. Jaguars. Would have been that was, Gus. That was, that was Gus, yeah. Or was that before the Gus bus? Yeah, there was a guy that got fired after one year in Jacksonville. What was it, Malarkey? No, oh, it was Malarkey. Malarkey. Just Malarkey. Yeah. Yeah. Malarkey, yeah. Malarkey, my favorite coach. He's awesome. 388 winning percentage. He's the best. He needs uh, five chances. Somebody fire your coach now and hire Mark Malarkey so he gets a fifth chance. And, he's, he's and, don't, and don't you dare bring up, question his job status, lest his family gets upset. Raiders. Yeah. Dennis Allen. And 12, yeah, that's Dennis Allen. Same but, time as Philbin, right? And then they both got whacked uh, like five games into their Third year. That's right. I remember, they both went to London and got, got yeah, back to back years or whatever. Um, and then Buc- was it the same year? That was the same year, I think. So. Yeah, Buccaneers. Uh, last Chiano. Yeah, Chiano, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. That's a horrible coaching. <laughs> Horrendous. Romeo Cornell, Joe Philbin, Jeff Fisher, Chuck Pagano, <laughs> Malarkey, Dennis Allen, and Greg Shiano. That is horrible. But the best coach the, on the list. The best, like the best hire was Pagano. The best of that group was Pagano. They made the playoffs a couple times with a young quarterback, and he actually got multiple contracts there. Yeah. And remember, Tampa thought they had Chip Kelly, and then he got more money thrown at him by Oregon, and he bailed on him in the middle of the night when they had the press releases and everything ready to go. Yep. And that's what brought them around to Shiano. Hilarious. Um, all right. All right. More things to hit on, and we'll get out of here. Can we hit these uh, two more things in the next, like, five minutes or so and leave? Um, sure. First, um, all right, so Chris Richard fired by the Seahawks as their defensive coordinator. I love this with the Cowboys. Like, they can't just, like, do things oh. traditionally. 
like they hire Chris Richard as the quote unquote passing game coordinator to the point that I actually had to stop and think and like read the story on dot com on CBS Sports. Be like, was he hired on offense to be the offensive passing game coordinator? I've never heard of this before. A defensive passing game coordinator. I guess this means that they're grooming him to take over when Marinelli retires. But yeah, wait, what do you is he a defensive no, passing they- coordinator? Yes, he's the defensive yeah, passing game coordinator. Yeah, I've seen it before. I think Chip Kelly did a little bit of this. Yeah, how'd that go. Um, Okay. Well, thought, there, somebody flipped Mangini. Remember, somebody had Mangini. Was that was that Harbaugh? Had somebody had Mangini working with the offense instead of the defense? Like I, I've seen it actually a time you, or two before. Uh, you know, Richard is on defense though. Like I double checked. Like he's the defensive passing game coordinator. But you know why they do this sometimes? It's a con- it's a contractual thing. Like Butch Davis when he got fired by Carolina and went and worked for the Buccaneers. He was basically their assistant head coach slash defensive coordinator, but he couldn't have that title. So he had to have a title that, that would allow him, that wouldn't, cause like certain titles will cancel out your, will create an offset money situation. And so I think if you're, yeah, a, you, yeah, you get a little creative. Passing game coordinator and you were a defensive coordinator, you can probably, like, if, if he goes and he's a defensive coordinator somewhere or like a linebackers coach or whatever it is, I, I would guess that's the situation. You see what I'm saying? Don't care. Okay, next thing. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I just think I just I just think they're ridiculous. Like it's absurd. It's absurd. F- fire Jason Garrett. Fire the staff and start over. Like I don't get it. When I saw the story, I thought he was the offensive passing coordinator. I was about I to too. load on the Cowboys under next year. I literally, I was like, I'm passing game coordinator. So this guy was just coaching defense. Like, was this a Juan Castillo coming in to be the defensive coordinator for the Eagles after coaching the offensive line? That I mean, geez. Too. It has to be. But yeah, we have seen that. I mean, but I'm saying Atlanta did that with Raheem Morris. I mean, it's just a cute title for a guy who's basically going to help coach their secondary. Is he going to be the DC in waiting? Is that is that what this is about? That could Dallas? be. It could be. Does he have right. a connection? What's his connection with with Jason Garrett or Rod Marinelli? Like, like, certainly here there was because he's been with Seattle ever since he pl- did he play. Yeah, for- no, I think it's it's just that hey, well they have a really good secondary out there, so you know, I mean, I, I, I he it knows just, how to coach guys up. I mean, it's just it's like probably it's the normal stuff. Things, um, where he would because he he like played he played for Pete Carroll. Maybe Pete Carroll just yeah. got picked up. Maybe Pete Carroll called like Marinelli or Jason Garrett was like, "Can you give my boy a job?" Yeah. Could be. Well, I mean, Carol, Carol cleaned house. I mean, he got rid of both coordinators. Yeah. I mean, he was just basically, I think, was was done. And and the last thing, um, we mentioned the Titans um, offensive coordinator with Ryan Day staying at Ohio State. So we'll see what Mike Vrabel does, but not a good start for Vrabel there. And last thing here, um, we're going to give checks for this throughout um, the podcast leading up to Super Bowl between the Eagles and Patriots. And we'll give our picks in like a week and a half, and we'll do more on the Super Bowl, obviously. But does it interest you guys at all that the initial surge of money – more bets on the New England Patriots. More money, though, on the Philadelphia Eagles. This story is on CBSSports.com on the front page right now. That the Eagles, that's where the line is moving towards right now. The underdog, Will Brinson. Surprising or not surprising? Uh, I don't think it's surprising, no. And I'm looking for the, the actual story. Is it is it a sports line story or is it a CBSSports.com story? Um, it's actually, it's on it's on the CBSSports.com NFL page. I just clicked on it. No, it's uh, by RJ. Oh, cool. RJ White. Or as um, you call him, RJ White. RJ, yeah, no, RJ does a great job with that stuff, and he put well, yeah, it links out to Sportsline. Micah Roberts wrote about it over there, and I, I'd read that one too. But it's basically um, 
the idea that if you, and I would say this because look, I, I I'm not going to be shy, be shy about it. I like the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to pick the Eagles to cover the spread. And I think that if you want to bet on the Eagles as a listener of this podcast, you should do it now. And that's basically what this article pointed out is that the lines. Well, yeah, get, yeah. Before the points start moving, get a, you know get all the get all the points you can get now. I mean, I I, I mean I, I think it's probably as simple as that, right? I mean, I don't think yes, that's overthinking. But like, here, like if you can get six right now, get them. Five. It's five right now, or five and a half at the most. It because could, it's already moving. But you and I, when we did this thing Sunday night, it was five and a half or six. You guys, oh, said. it opened at six. It's now at pinnacle. Right. So jump on. So now they've already moved half. it down, right? Because people started buying it at six. That's right. Yes, I would. Yeah, and actually, and actually, what I said was incorrect because what I'm looking at now is that almost sixty percent of the wagers were on the Eagles. So it's not just the the volume of money, but it's also the volume of wagers are on Philadelphia, on the underdog here, which I think is fascinating, given that they're going up yeah. against. Brady and Belichick. So, I mean, I mean, look, it's It'll, very early in the process, though. This could all flip here coming up in the coming in the coming days and weeks. And I've done a couple of radio reviews in the last like two days where people are like, "Now, what do you think is going to happen with Gronk?" It's like he's playing, okay? So you, but but yeah. I think that you, he's gonna, he's not going to be cleared until probably a week from we're recording this. Yeah, on there's t- no reason to do much other than have him at walkthroughs this week. I mean, and why? I think, yeah, I mean, so they won't even send the baseline stuff in until probably early next week. Right, and I think I think that that Gronk playing is baked into the line, but I think yeah. once Gronk is cleared, you will see a surge of public money on the Patriots. And Makes the, sense. And the public, the public's not hammering. The public's not sitting here hammering like you know the, the Super Bowl two weeks out. Next week, you'll see a lot more action. You'll see a lot more on the Patriots, I believe. And I think ultimately, um, the Patriots will have more money, more more bets. The Eagles will have more money. Um, I like the dog in this spot. Patriots have only covered the biggest margin of victory, as you pointed out, six last year in overtime. So we will see what happens over the course of the next week. We'll give our picks next week for Super Bowl 52. And last thing here, promises is the last thing, but breaking news coming over. Just saw it on Twitter. We talked about it on Sunday, so we don't have to get deep into the analysis. But uh, the Browns officially naming Todd Haley their offensive coordinator. I just think what's going to be funny here is Haley and Hugh rushing to push the other one under the bus as this offense crashes and burns next year. I think should be pretty entertaining. Well, I mean, look, he, he, there, there shouldn't be a whole big tug of war there. I mean, it's it's the biggest upset in the history of and it's the biggest upset. The biggest upset ownership since the biggest slash upset management decisions in yeah. professional sports history that that guy still has a job. So, yeah, the fact that they got somebody in there who's been a head coach before and who's dealt with big personalities and who wants to be a head coach again and who could be just as Machiavellian as Hugh, I don't think that – I'll put my money on Haley to be the guy who's still there, you know, October 2nd if they're 0-6 and not Hugh. I mean, Hugh is now completely expendable, honestly. You've got That's two coordinators who've been head coaches. This is a great got, job by Haley. You get this. Got, he's going to be the interim coach. Yeah, they fire he you. might get twelve games there That's to be right. the interim, and if right. he goes three and nine, it's like wow, Haley snapped the streak. <laughs> and as soon as they got Hugh out of there, look what a good coach can do. Like and with a and you know this, yeah. Like hey, and they've got all those picks, and Dorsey's not even pretending that he's in this with Hugh. Trust me. So. You know, let's see. He either way, it, it could work out well. But Hugh is completely expendable now. I mean, honestly, the defensive coordinator has been a head coach. The offensive coordinator has been a head coach. Hugh has been marginalized to please just try not to blow up and make stupid mistakes with timeouts and stuff this year. And you know, it's not his offense. He hired some of that staff, but yeah, you're damn right. There'll probably be some some undercurrents and backstabbing and and backbiting. It's Cleveland, and you've got a coach who shouldn't be there, and everybody knows he shouldn't be there. 
And again, if they don't win a game, like how long do you let the Owen forever go before you just whack that guy? I mean, this has Philbin and Dennis Allen written all over it. Um, two quick points from listeners on Twitter. We appreciate you guys tweeting at us. If you like the show, you know, you know, you hear something. Like I like it makes my day when I get tweets about about the podcast like out of nowhere. Send them all to send them all to Will then. Prisco and I don't really <laughs> I don't really care. So I think I can speak for Crisco Prisco, which dude, how do we not have him in Philadelphia right now doing a story on the polls I, that are all greased up? I mean that's a that should be a Crisco Prisco well, I mean, special. Well, to, to be fair, in order to do a story that requires you to actually sit down and write something. Hey. Right. Right. It's more content than you have in the last month. Uh, but Matty Shack, at, Matt Williams at Matty Shack on Twitter points out um, that Cooter is expected to stay in Detroit, so that would be good. Um, yeah. And then this is this is awesome uh, by Akib Kibby Chief at Kibby Kibby Kibby. He tweets us all the time. I love that. Yeah, guy. he's the man. He's our number one fan. He tweeted um, uh, at midnight last night. I think I was probably asleep. He said. Fact that might interest you might only interest you guys. Next year, the Patriots this, take yeah. the Lions, Titans, and Colts on the road. That's awesome. It's Belichick against it. He's going to smash those guys, right? We'll see. That's interesting. We'll see. I might write a story about that. A little clickbait. Thanks, Kitty. Um, there you go. That's all I got. All right, cool. So that does it for the uh, midweek edition of the Pick Six podcast. Um, for Will and Jason and uh, Pete Prisco on the plane with the uh, with the circus animals, I'm Nick Costos. We will catch you later this week. I don't know what we're going to talk about because there's no games to pick. That's actually kind of depressing. Only one more game left this season. So uh, we'll be back at some point. Preview the Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah, we're going to preview the Pro Bowl. It's going to be awesome. We, have, be we should have Prisco do a live report from the Pro Bowl. Mr. Orlando. That's that's where he's going, apparently. The intro to this podcast, Pete saying, What are people gonna bring four I'm gonna bring a four foot alligator on the podcast on the on the on the airplane next time. You see that? I hope he's sitting next to a four hundred pound therapy dog and Pete's in the middle seat and like there's a human on one side and the massive what do they call is it therapy dog? What do they call this thing? Service dog. Uh, yeah, and there's one at like just a 400-pound St. Bernard next to him, <laughs> slobbering all like over him cl- on the other cl- side. Clifford, the big red dog, licking his face. All right. <laughs> all right, so let's get out of here. Leave that five-star review. Um, and, uh, yeah, tweet us at Pick6Pod, at Will Brinson, at Jason Luckin, for at Frisco CBS at the Costos. We'll catch you later this week.